been really great to be able to share God's word uh, with you all uh, over these last few weeks. And just to let you know that Stephen and Alini aren't here this evening. They've had a big move. They've moved house and uh, they, they just asked for permission to just get themselves settled, which we, which we gave. And uh, Stephen will be back uh, next week. But it's been a real joy of mine to be able to share, as I say, God's word. And we've been talking about overflow. Uh, we've been thinking about the whole thought of how God wants us to overflow with opportunity and with vision and with prayer. There's, there's a sense in which God is wanting to lead each and every one of us this year from the position of where it might have, you know, I think my, the, 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 heart of, the heart of God, and I think that my heart towards the church of Arena is that for some of you, you've probably been struggling and it's almost been like a struggle, but God wants to almost supernaturally bring there to be an overflow of abundance. Is anybody agreeing with me this evening? For God to do that immeasurably more than only he can do in our lives. Now, for that to happen, for a sense of overflow to happen, there needs to be some addressing of our heart. And I want to just take you you, for a moment just to a, a simple verse in Proverbs and 4 and verse 23. And there it reads, if you've not got your Bible, it'll come on the screen. But there it reads these real uh, cautionary words. It says this, above all else, above all else. It's interesting, those three words. That means to say it supersedes everything else. It's, It's one of the greatest things that you can give your attention to. Above all else. But what do we need to give our attention to? It's saying above all else, Guard your heart. Now, it's not talking about that thing that pumps blood around our body. It's talking about the very essence of who we are. Your mind, your emotions, your will. He's saying, above all else, guard your hearts. For out of its spring, the issues of life or everything you do flows from it. You know, this thing here controls how we live. It controls how we think. It controls what we speak. If we want to live out of overflow, we've got to learn to deal with this thing called our hearts. Nudge your neighbor and say, how are you doing with your heart? I've realized it's my heart. I've said this before. It's my heart that gets me in trouble. Because the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's usually this thing that gets me in trouble. And it all comes from here. So if we're going to live out of an overflow, then we need to learn to guard this heart of ours. Now, what I've realized is this, that if we're going to guard our hearts, we have to first address our our hearts. We have to take responsibility for what is in our hearts. We have to say this is... My heart, this is my body, this is my life. And it is my responsibility to guard my heart. You know, we can try and look out for one another and we must do that. We're a family. We're there to care for one another and love one another and stand with one another. But ultimately, you know, I mean, I can have Julie and Christine and Andy and the guys who, you know, just will, will take care of me and look after me in terms of the, lead, the part of the leadership and they do that and we have a great time together. But, you know, ultimately, it's, it's my responsibility. 
You know, I can't ask them to pray. They can pray for me, but I've got to build a life of prayer. Can I hear an amen? You know, they can read the word of God. I was with a, Caroline and I went to visit a, just a, an, old, an elderly pastor who's really passing from this life into the life to come. And I just said to him, I said, because um, he was in distress, I said, let me just read the Bible to you. He wasn't able to read it for himself. He's now 92 and I was just reading the Bible to him. You know, I needed to do that because he couldn't do it for himself. But the reality is for me, it's great when people preach messages like this and you can, you know, they're reading the Bible over you. But ultimately, it's my responsibility to read the Bible for myself. Can I hear an amen? And for me to take real responsibility for, for my life. You know, our hearts are complex. They're fragile. They're sensitive. And that is why we need to guard them. So you may say, well, that's all great, Christian. I've got it overflow, and, but our hearts can stop that overflow. So what is the answer? Well, the answer is in this next five weeks, we're just going to be working through a simple series called Simplify. Everybody say Simplify. You know, about three years ago, um, there was somebody kindly purchased a book for me that was written by a North American pastor who had obviously uh, preached this series in his church. It's a very simple book. It's not difficult in any way. And I was really impacted by it. And whilst we were just preparing for this year and the series that we want to work through, it just came to our attention that this would be a great series following on from overflow that we could really take to heart. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a number of things here on a Sunday evening. And as we go into Sunday mornings, we're going to be looking at things like from overwhelmed. Anybody here ever felt overwhelmed? Just give me a wave. From overwhelmed to in control with regard to your finances. If anybody here has ever felt wounded, we want to talk about how we can get whole by making room for forgiveness. Some people feel incredibly isolated. We want to take you from isolation to connected by deepening your relational circles. We're going to talk to those who find themselves in a new season. It may be kids have flown the nest and change of work and whatever. And you might feel a little stuck. We're going to talk about from stuck to moving on. Welcoming new seasons in your life. Lots of things that we're going to be addressing. But tonight it's my joy, and it is an absolute joy, to be able to talk about something that I think affects us all. And in some ways I know a little bit about. Because I want to talk tonight about how we can go from exhausted to energized by replenishing your energy reserves. You know, there's many people, if I look around the room here tonight, there's young mums, there's young dads. It's, it's tiring. You know, I've got Jay here, he's got bags under his eyes, he's, he's got a little, beautiful little boy, Ezra. But, you know, in that first initial stages, it's tiring, it's, it's overwhelming. You know, you can feel utterly depleted when you've got a new baby. You know, when, when you're trying that, going to that new job and you're trying to get there early to impress the boss and you don't know what you're doing and you feel stressed out and you can easily come be depleted, can't you? You know, grandparents who you know, uh, are looking after grandkids and, you know, for, for uh, uh, sons, uh, sons and daughters having to take care of mums and dads who are elderly. It can easily become where you go, going from a place where you're exhausted. But God doesn't want us to live there. 
And so this is a really practical message tonight because God wants to lead us from a place of exhaustion into a place where we're energized and how we can replenish our energy reserves. You see, one of the things why we want to do this series is because of this statement I just want to make here. You see, I believe that the greatest gift you can give your family and the world is a healthy you. The greatest gift that I can give you as a leader of this church and this community is a healthy me. And I'm not just talking about that I'm, that I'm you know, slight of figure, that, 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 I'm, that I'm, I'm, running, I'm running marathons because the reality is, you know, you can do all of that. On the external, you look healthy, but on, uh, sorry, on the inter- external, you look healthy, but on the internal, you're completely unhealthy. There's unhealthy thoughts, there's unhealthy hearts. You just, you're everywhere. But on the outside, you look okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a healthy you both externally and uh, internally. So when we think about this thought of simplify, simplified living is about more than doing less. People immediately go, oh, that, okay, I got it. Then I need to do less. No, it's more than just doing less. Simplified living is about being who God has called you to be with a wholehearted, single-minded focus. It's about walking away from innumerable opportunities in favor of the few to which you've been called and created for. It's about a lifestyle that, that allows you to hit your head, the pillow at night, with gratitude for what you get to be involved in. I want to tell you tonight, it is no, it's not like, oh, flipping heck. There's a real Mansfield phrase. I've, I've got to get to Mansfield tonight. Flipping heck. I've got to be with these people tonight. I want to tell you, this has probably been the fourth time today that I've spoken Twice, morning, night, and two in between. I've, I've done a lot of speaking today. But I haven't been thinking, flipping heck, I just wish this day were done. I just, with absolute gratitude tonight, my head will hit the pillar, and I'll be in absolute gratitude to God for what I've got to do. This is simplified living. Simplified living. But what I've realized is, many Christians and People are on a faith journey. If you're on a faith journey here tonight, you are so welcome. Please keep coming. Just keep coming and checking us out and seeing what happens. We love when new people come. We love when people are on a faith journey keep coming. We really do. And just keep coming because what I've realized is this series is going to help both Christians and those who are on a faith journey. Because we wanted to talk about how we can help people to live a life of simplicity. And so when I think about this from exhaustion to energized, I have to say it's an area of challenge because I didn't say it this morning, but you've heard me say I get mildly irritated. Well, don't I get mildly irritated. I get raging irritation when people make statements about the life of a minister. Unfortunately, the stereotype is Martivica, uh, and you, really all you do is you just do one or two visits and then you just sit and pray and read the Bible and That's all you do. If only that was true. The life of a 21st century pastor, and I'm going to be a bit edgy, if they're doing it properly, it's very busy. 
There's lots to be done. There's lots of people to be reached. There's lots of buildings to take over. There's lots of people to be one for Jesus. There's lots of wonderful things. There's lots of prayers that need to be prayed. Amen. There's lots of territory and ground that we need to take in Jesus' name. Anybody with me tonight? That's the busy life of a church and a staff and pastors. So, you know, I, I, I love what I get to do. So I have to be very careful because I am prone to not workaholic, but just overworking. I like my job, which means it's difficult at times to differentiate between the essential and the unimportant. You see, we have to be careful that a busy season doesn't become a lifestyle. You know, sometimes we can be saying, oh, it's just a busy season. We've had an incredibly busy season in Arena Church, particularly, if I can say, for many of the staff in Ilkeston, because we had Christmas, and then we went from, and whilst Christmas was happening, we were getting the Woolworths building, the project up and running, and then we launched that, and you know, this is going to become a very busy season for many of you as you approach March. There's the lead up. We've got four weeks then on Easter Sunday. We're going to be doing a big launch into the town. We believe in literally that we're going to have to keep stacking more chairs out at the back. There's going to be more people on teams. So if you're not on team and you're part of this church, we want you on team. We're going to be launching more to do with young people, more in the community, Lou, and the guys. There's going to be lots and lots of things happening. But here's my caution. Let's make sure that it's not just a life, it isn't a lifestyle, it's, it's just a season that we're in. Because if we're not careful, busyness can become a lifestyle rather than just a season. And we have to be very, very careful how we live our lives. There's a story in the Bible that I want to take you to for a moment. And it's a very real life story. And it's like watching reality TV unravel. I wonder if you just turn your attention to Luke in chapter 10. And many of us will be familiar with these verses. But I want to just bring a fresh take on them this evening. The context to it is that Jesus had 12 disciples. And out of the 12, he had three. That he had a very close relationship. And out of that three, he had one. There's also another group of people, and they were siblings who we had a very, very close relationship with. Their names were Lazarus, that was the brother, Mary and Martha. They were the two sisters. And they were clearly had something about them because Jesus was very attracted to them. They were obviously very kind and welcoming and hospitable. And Jesus knew them. And there's a number of references to them in the scriptures. And we see that Jesus, we pick up the story in verse 38 Because he says there, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So here's this thought. Basically, Jesus had already known them. He hadn't even called because he couldn't call ahead. There were no mobile phones. There were no email. There were no WhatsApp. There were no Snapchat. There were no nothing chat at all. You know, there were no pigeons that were being sent. There was nothing. It was literally Jesus just dropping on Mary and Martha. So that's what happened. He just dropped it up. But it wasn't just him. It was all his disciples. So there were at least 13 of them who were there, we can imagine, who just literally turned up. So any ladies up for that? Catering for 13? Vicky, we're all around your pad tonight. Then is that all right? 
look, yeah, yeah, I like Chinese and a bit of Indian, is that all right? Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so it's that kind of context that we find the story being in. in. And he says in verse 39 that Martha had a sister called Mary. And Mary, she sat at the feet, Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Listen to the language. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, we see the story that Jesus pulls up, but there's two characters in this story, Mary and Martha. And Martha just kicks in where many of us would be tempted to go. Jesus is here. Oh, we've got to go and make preparations. He needs a meal. Come on, let's go and rally around. And she starts busying herself and doing all that she needs to do because Jesus is here. Oh, it's like wonderful. And all these disciples and she's sorting out in the kitchen and the pans and she's killing whatever she needs to kill outside to make sure, you know, it can get in the pot. And, you know, all these things. Like she's making the bread, kneading the bread, all the rest of it. While her sister... He's sitting with Jesus. She's just sitting with Jesus. She's there. So Jesus, how's everything been? Yeah, it's been, it's been great, Mary. And how are you doing, Jesus? Yeah, I'm doing well. How's, how's the disciples? Is that Judas shaping up? Well, it's you know, it, we'll, 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 we'll sort of get there, and you know, and Jesus, how are these Pharisees? Are they getting you down? No, no, we're okay. What about the Sadducees? They're a bit of pain in the, you know what? No, they're okay. And they're just having a chat. She's just spending time with Jesus. That would be okay if that was the case. But then we see what happens. Martha is increasingly in the kitchen. And she is getting increasingly ticked off. Have you ever been there, lads? Where your wife says to you, you've got some guests around, and she says to me now, well, you will help me. I'm not feeling 100%. Of course I'll help you, sweetheart. I've been there many times. My wife will be listening to this podcast later. So, uh, God help me. Jesus, okay. I've done it a number of times. Of course I'll help you. But I've got so caught up in the conversation that Caroline is busy doing everything they need to do. And after a few more slamming around and things thrown on the floor, I've then realised, oh, there's McHugh. John knows it very well. There's McHugh. I need to just go in and I need to just go and help and do what I need to do. Any men know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And this is what Martha was handling And listen to the statements that she made very quickly. She says to Jesus, to Jesus, verse 40. Let's look at it again. She says to, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? The irony of that verse is incredible. For those who don't know, we have the Son of God who has left the comfort of heaven, left all the pleasures, became nothing. The Bible records, became like us, 
God in flesh, born to this cruel, dark world. And she has the audacity to say to him, Lord, don't you care? I think he wanted to take that and shove it right. You know, it was just one of those statements. But he didn't. He didn't. Lord, don't you? And then the second thing that she says is this. We find in the following verses, it talks about, she says, tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. What she's basically saying is this. Jesus, I'm doing all this for you. And look at that lazy sister of mine. I can't believe she's just sat there doing nothing. And Jesus replies to her, Martha, Martha. He's basically saying, Martha, you're overworked. You're stressed. You're exhausted. Trying to please me. You're overscheduling. I've not asked you to do this. You're preoccupied. Mary sat with me, but you're preoccupied. And now you're even worse. You're churned up. You're irritated. You're annoyed. He basically says to her, when he uses the word Martha, Martha, he says, Martha, I'm not here for a meal. I'm here for you. Don't you think that Jesus could have fed himself? I mean, he can take a a boy's packed lunch and feed a multitude. He can take some water and produce the finest red wine that you've ever seen. This is the Son of God. And you tell me to tell her to help me? Jesus then responds in verse 41. He says, Martha, few things are needed. Indeed, only one. This was a reminder that Mary chose well. You know, sometimes you have to leave the stuff, sometimes undone, for a sit-down, an unrushed conversation with Jesus You know, there's a pathway to simplicity that I just want to outline to each and every one of us this evening. And then I'm just going to give us a few ways of how we can practically outwork this message. You see, what he was showing me was that Martha's bucket was pretty empty. I want to just imagine that as I draw this on here, this bucket, I'm a brilliant artist, you can see, can't you? It's just absolutely brilliant. Okay, somebody said it was a cup, looks like an ice cream, a coffee. But it's not, it's a bucket. And this bucket represents your life. And very often, many of us, you know, can live out of empty or we can live out of full. But for the illustration, just for a moment, let's just maintain that this bucket is filled to overflow. It's an overflow bucket. And we're going to write on it, full. This is your life. It's full. It's to overflowing. What I've realized is when I just made this list of my life, of what it looks like to live out of, I'm energized, I'm replenished. What does it look like for me? Well, this is what it looks like for me. I'm at my best when my bucket's full. 
I sense God's presence when my bucket's full. I love well. I make wise decisions when my bucket's full. I eat better and I sleep better. I'm more creative. I have more patience, even for Manchester United fans. I'm restful. I'm happy. I'm prayerful. I'm grateful when my bucket's full. So I want my bucket to be full. But the problem is, our buckets can easily, and quite often without attention, are empty. We live out of a residue. Let me just talk to you about what my bucket looks like when it's empty. I'm resentful. You may say, really? Yeah, I'm resentful. When somebody says to me they're going to go on holiday, under my breath, I just quietly, or not so quietly, so I wish I could go on a holiday. I become resentful. I become irritated by everything and everyone. Am I speaking to anybody this evening? I become irritated. I become irritated by the slightest thing where my bucket is empty. I become frustrated. My wife knows it. My kids know it. And by the way, my staff know it. And even worse, you know it. When our buckets, because we think we've gotten away with it, but everybody knows we're not quite where we need to be. The answer is we need to make sure that our buckets are filled. So how can we fill our buckets? How do I fill the bucket back up if you feel like you're at the point of empty? There is good news. It doesn't have to remain there. How can I replenish my energy levels? How can I go from exhausted to energized? Well, there are five things that I want to talk about, and I really will be move through these really quickly. What I do want to say is this. There's one or two of them that are definitely, I think, are prescriptive. The first one that I'm going to talk about is definitely one that I think is that every one of us need to consider. I was talking with a guy this morning and just said to him, you know, you're on a faith journey, but I'd still encourage you to take the 15-minute challenge, which I'll come on to in a moment. Read Read the Bible, you know, pray, journal, God will begin to do something in you. And if you're here today and you're not quite in faith, I'd still encourage you with the first point, which is connecting with God. But some of the others that I'm going to mention, you need to say, well, that really doesn't have a context with me. You'll find out what those things are you need to do to fill your bucket. But here's my five. First of all, connecting with God. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. While he is near. You see, as we come into the presence of God, something begins to happen. As we seek God, something happens. And Psalm 16 verse 11 tells us what happens. And it really is a bucket filler. Because he says this, In your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. You see, there is an overflow of joy that begins to happen as we connect with God. And as we fill our bucket with God. And as we spend time with God. Our buckets 
are filled. Connecting with God. And what I love about this thought of connecting with God is that we think we're doing all the connecting, but He comes to connect with us. It's the one thing that I, not, not the one thing, it's the greatest difference between Christianity and other world religions. Other world religions is how you can get to God, how you can earn your way to God, how you can prove your way to God. And actually the, the, the gospel of grace the gospel message of Christianity is you can't prove anything. You can't work towards it. You can't attain it because God already did it because he sent his one and only son to connect with you. What a wonderful, wonderful, I thought I'd get a better response than that. What a wonderful, wonderful it is when I reflect on it more and more, the gospel of grace, what a grace that we have received. It's wonderful. And that we are able to connect with God and God wants to connect with us. What a remarkable thing. And you can do that through just simply taking up the 15-minute challenge. This is where I come to. Five minutes of prayer. Five minutes of just reading the Bible. Five minutes of reflecting and journaling. Anybody can do that for 15 minutes. Even if you're on a journey to faith, you can do that. Just take the time, grab a coffee, pour yourself a cup of coffee, get yourself a cup of tea, find a quiet place, and just begin to connect with God. I want to tell you in this moment, in that moment, God will speak with you. God will meet with you. When you do it every single day, He'll begin to meet with you. He'll begin to talk with you. He'll begin to share some thoughts with you. You may say, really? Yeah, you are going to connect with the God of creation. You're going to connect with, with, with the Savior of the world. He's going to come and meet with you. I guarantee you. And what will happen is your bucket will get fuller and fuller and fuller as you connect with God. Here's another bucket filler for me is family. I'm very mindful that some of you come here on your own. You haven't got family. But I want you to know tonight that if you are here on your own, if you are near to us tonight, then this is why we are absolutely committed to small groups. Because we want to make sure that nobody feels like they're on their own. We want to make sure that everybody feels like they're in family. We want to make sure that everybody gets connected and feels a part of what we're doing here at Arena Church. Because one thing I know is that family, whether it's in the church or family just outside of the church, is a real bucket filler for me. Psalm 127 verse 3 says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. I've heard it said as well that it's not just children, but those who are grandparents, they say there's greater joy with the grandparents than there is with the, with the children. I don't know. We're not there yet. And Jonathan and Annie, just steady down, okay? Just get married and, you know, and we'll, we'll, that will come in a, in a few years, okay? But children are a gift from the Lord. Listen, if you've got young children... Enjoy them. Enjoy them. If they're growing, because they'll grow so quickly. Andy was just showing me a photo of me looking absolutely dynamic. And Nathan, well, he was just looking very, very young. Um, five years ago, Andy showed us this photo. Five years ago, pioneering the church at Kings Mill. At Kings Mill. At Field Mill. Kings Mill, where did that come from? At Field Mill. And I just said to Andy, didn't we? We just said it goes like that. And they were telling me he's 45 in a, four weeks. 45. I mean, who would have thought this good-looking guy is 45. He's trying to catch me up. And we just said, look, time just goes so quickly. Make sure you enjoy your family. 
Make sure you enjoy your grandkids. Make sure you enjoy one another. Everything that we get to do is a privilege, guys. It's a bucket filler. Thirdly, quickly, satisfying work. Satisfying work. I'm so pleased that I get to do what I get to do. And I am one of the lucky ones. I'm living a dream. It's come at a cost. I knew that when I stepped into church life, I knew that I was going to earn less than I was presently learning, earning. I knew that. But it's such a joy to be able to live with satisfying work. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes 5.18. This is what I've observed to be good. That is, it's appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor. Put another way, it is good and proper for people to find satisfaction, replenishment in their work. It might be that if you feel like your bucket's empty because of your work, you might need to give yourself a change of direction, a change of career. It may come at a cost. You may earn less. You may have to adjust your lifestyle. But wouldn't that be a better way of living than constantly living on empty? Wouldn't it be a better thing to live with your bucket full but not have as much money in your hands? Am I the only one? But to live a meaningful, satisfying work life? There are many people who've taken that decision. And for me, that's a bucket filler. Number four, recreation and downtime. It's a great thing to be able to just enjoy what you get to enjoy to do. I mean, Paul just loves being on, the, on, the, uh, on Saturday on a cold on a cold winter's afternoon, cheering on the stags. It's a real bucket filler for him. And some of you enjoy, you know, just having a cup of coffee with some of your friends. It fills up your bucket. Some of you love getting out there early and having a round of golf on a, on a Saturday morning. There's others of you who love to watch a movie. There's others of you who love to sew and love to do things creative. I'm talking about things that fill up your bucket. Are you hearing me? You're quiet now. Are you hearing me tonight? Just recreation and downtime. It's not a dirty word. It's a great thing to do those things, wholesome things that fill up your bucket. We have no greater pleasure, it connects with the family for us, than when Annie used to do her sprinting and she used to love to do it and Eleanor cross country and watching them dancing and they used to do some dancing and now Isaac and Lilia, they've gone down the sports room with basketball. I'll have no greater joy than being and watching my kids do what they do. I love it. I can't understand some parents that say to me, well, we're just here because we have to be. I, I just want to say to them, push off, will you? I don't want to hear this. I don't, by the way, because I'm a very nice man. But, you know, it just frustrates me. It fills my bucket. I love having a date day with my wife. Having a coffee with her. It replenishes my bucket. I love having meals with family. I love meeting with friends. I love going on holiday. I don't want my life to be one holiday because I like meaningful work. (laughs) But I love going on holiday and I'm unashamed. And if you're due to be going on holiday and you've got a fancy holiday, you go and enjoy it in Jesus' name. The pastor says so. It'll fill your bucket and we'll see the benefits of it. And lastly, exercise. Exercise hasn't always been a friend of mine. I don't want any comments. And looking at some of you, it hasn't been for you either. But it says that exercise helps us to control our weight. 
I have to say this, Steve Scrimshaw has just been incredible. I mean, it's just dropping off him. Just, uh, Joy's got a new man. She's not here. We need exercise to help us to control our weight, to combat sickness, to improve our mood, to boost our energy. And it promotes better sleep. You know, when I go on that cross trainer or when I'm on that treadmill, I may not times feel better. You know, once I've done it, I just feel better. I just feel better. It fills up the bucket from exhausted to energized, replenishing our energy reserves. I think this is, I've not even realized it, but this is, I think, a very prophetic word for Arena Church Mansfield in this moment, in this season. Because you're going to come into a busy season. Because God's very busy. There's many people in this town that is wanting you guys to touch and reach. And you better make sure that your energy reserves, your energy levels, your bucket is filled. Because otherwise, you're going to be irritated with Paul. Paul's going to be irritated with Patrick. Patrick's going to be irritated with Terry. Terry's going to be irritated with Christian. Yeah, the thought. And that's how it works. And we can deal with all of that irritation. Terry's looking at me as they're thinking, I'd never be irritated with anybody. And Margaret knows different. But anyway, we'll, we'll uh, but seriously, we can deal all that with all that by just making sure our buckets are full. Are you hearing me? This is a prophetic word. It's a practical word. It's a simple word. But it's a prophetic word in this season for what God wants to do. I wonder if we'd bow our heads. I wonder if the guys would come and join me on the platform. We're finished.